Hello guys, this is what my audio should sound like. Unfortunately, during the episode, I didn't use the right microphone. Tyler, rest assured, is smooth and rich, but I sound pretty bad, so I hope that doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the episode, which is coming up now. All right, Johnny. All right, Tyler. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Then you might like Horses by Patti Smith. So, as the strains of Gloria die away, it's time for another episode, the first in Season 3 of Tummel, or Then You Might Like, the podcast by me and who have I got with me? Tyler. (laughs) An unconventional intro. And uh, we are obviously the boys that do Review 2, and we are moving on to other albums, and this time it's a massive influence on the band... It is Patty Smith, the long-awaited Patty Smith, which we've been talking about. It seems like forever, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the ones that was on a Twitter poll, uh, pro- probably the best part of a year ago, um, and we've done. This didn't win, and the Depeche Mode album we did, Songs of Faith and Devotion, that was on that poll. We've done that. That didn't win either. The one that won that poll was Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, but since that time. Um, we've we've just been hammered with lockdowns and uh, unfortunately we can't get in the same room to actually do that review and that might seem bizarre and why do we need to be in the same room? Well, that's because we have a guest star booked for that uh, that episode and uh, I assume as soon as we can record that, we will. Yeah, um, so we'll just continue to ignore our fans' requests up until that point and yeah, so do the, horses. The, the, and the other... Uh, the other uh, the other album on that that poll was editors in this light on this evening. Um, I don't think it's we've got. I, I don't think we've got a plan to do that yet, but we should definitely do editors at, at some point. Um, I would like to do editors, and I also feel like, but I feel like there's there's other albums which might be more suitable for Tummel. So let us know, guys, if you're interested in. I mean, as always, keep your Tummel suggestions coming in. Um, we will get round to them eventually. Although this is one that Tyler and I were set to do last week. Um, I, uh, from unforeseen circumstances, couldn't record last week. And I'm actually really happy about that because I feel like I properly got to know this album during this week's listening to it. And it's it's odd doing an album that we've not lived with and inhabited like a lot. I mean, a lot of these albums that we're doing, things like, say, Hot Fuzz by The Killers, um, albums that I want to do eventually, like... Grace by Jeff Buckley, that sort of thing. They're ones that I know absolutely inside out. I had never listened to this album or really many of its tracks properly ever, you know, before we started looking at this. So it's a bit of a weird one and one that I feel like because we're approaching such a legend, um, a bit like with the Ramones, I feel like it's it's a bit scary almost taking on this, this um, absolutely seminal album. Yeah, I feel like um, this is the first time we're really both approach an album knowing nothing about it uh we'd heard we 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 listened to craft work growing up we'd heard depeche mode songs we'd heard in excess songs we heard we had a, a bit of an idea of simple minds although our uh, our view of simple minds was very naive i think we'd both agree after uh, re- uh, rediscovering or discovering that so um 
Patty Smith, yeah, she's always someone that's been mentioned and uh, is name dropped. Uh, for for a lot of the artists that I'm into, they they seem to mention Patty Smith, but I never, I just never came really came across her myself. Never, uh, you know, had a friend or or anybody in my life that was listening to some to it, uh, and it was really only when you two brought Patty Smith on stage uh, at the O2 gig in London in 2015 that she came bursting into my, her, into my life and uh, that was the first time I ever listened to her and I still don't really know where to place her in the you know in the annals of of music and I don't know where 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 she goes but it's it's kind of nice having that innocence or that ignorance for want of a better word and mm. now discovering her on my own terms without having any outer influences Really, all I know about Patti Smith is that Bono's a big fan. Yeah, and I, I say, as someone who was really into The Clash and the Ramones growing up, she was always someone who seems to be mentioned in that proto-punk stage, along with Iggy Pop and a few other bands or people. Lou as, Reed, Velvet Underground, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, people who would, would turn up just before a discussion of punk, you know, which would... It was like she is the the spark, and then the fire really caught, obviously with um, Ramones, Sex Pistols, Clash, all that kind of stuff. But she always is a figure there. But having said that, you're quite right in terms of where do we place her? Because a lot of this could be described as spoken word, jazz, definitely punky elements. But this is not, um, you know, this is not Ramones, Ramones. This is not uh, punk as we might as we might sort of know it. And yet, in some ways you can see all that energy and that distinctiveness um, and the newness of what she's doing here. Yeah, and, and it does feel like it's new. It does feel like it's of its own ilk. It's its own thing. Um, so it's quite interesting, not really what I'm used to. Um, so I think our, our interpretations and reactions to these songs are going to be quite interesting do you have any u2 connections there apart from the oh, ones i've already do, mentioned do i do i have any i've got i've got a whole bag full of them um so i'll 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 start at um summer 1977 put yourself take yourself back through the annals of history back into 1977 summer we're at billingsgate fish market and there's a young man What's there that smell uh, well, I think yeah, I think the turbot's on the turn, and uh, there's a young man there who's who's uh, he's got a lovely blonde afro and a big per pair of glasses and a and a and a dream of being a rock star and a lovely coat, and he's called Mr. Clayton. And a young Adam there would uh, when he worked there, he went uh, at Billingsgate. He apparently got horses among a, a another a big group of records that he bought, and then would bring them back. Um, to the lads and play them and share them with them. So when Adam was working, I think it was a summer job um, at a fish market, which sounds I mean, not like the ideal career choice and certainly not very rock and roll, um, but he would bring them back and share them with um, with Bono and Edge and that lot. Edge um, also mentions, and, and this is all in um, YouTube by YouTube. Um, I just looked at Patti Smith in the index and she's me uh, featured a few times. He was talking about the fact that Horses specifically was really exciting and a confrontational album for him. And he said that it had, um, he said that Punk had all of the um, anger but none of the poetry. And she was this strange, sexually ambivalent creature, is what he calls her. Um, someone who is defiant and interesting. 
and um, he tried to show um, horses to his friend who was called Stephen Balcombe. And he said that his friend, you know, just after that first line, um, I know we're jumping ahead now a little bit, but um, the Jesus line, Jesus uh, died for somebody's sins, but not mine. He was like, right, I'm not, I'm not listening to this. So it was too challenging for, you know, that particular type of religious upbringing. So yeah. I think that's interesting. We'll come back to like themes like that, but I think it's musically challenging even now. There are some oh, risks yeah, being taken here, and yeah. uh, ris- risks I, uh, they, they either work or they don't, and the ones that don't um, might do in 50 years, but they, I, I think there are some risks taken on this album which haven't worked up until now. Doesn't mean it it won't work next year or the year after, but I think there are certain certainly some things on this album that it just it, it just seemed off. It didn't it didn't seem quite right, and it, you know it's intended to be that way. Um, I suppose it's not for the faint-hearted. No, I I think I think there are I, I'd agree there are some things that for me don't quite land, but there are other things that land in the ways that are so unexpected and so um, different, you know, both to music now and and then. It's it's, it's a very interesting album, um, yeah. as, as we'll get into. Anyway, so, yeah, um, I think what you get here is there is a time, because obviously um, if you're stumbling upon this podcast thinking who the hell are these guys, we're interested in the whole, uh, the relationship between you two and the influences and the people they've influenced as well. But you can hear on this album a lot of ideas that have gone into that early crucible of making U2. And I think there are bits that I was listening to on this album thinking, wow, that I can really hear that later on in Boy or Joshua Tree or, you know, across the whole span of the career. It's really fascinating in that way. Um, in the same and not, way that... not just U2. I think Patti Smith has had a, a very far-reaching influence. Oh, yeah. Probably um, on more other bands more so, but like REM, PJ Harvey, l- loads of them. Yeah, I know Lord uh, really rates uh, Patti Smith and in particular Horses. Um, mm. And I, I really, I really like Lord. I've only discovered her recently. Um, I'm not as in with the pop crowd as uh, many people may assume, uh, but mm. um, I've recently discovered Lord, and she seems to be quite, quite a, quite a success. But she seems yeah. like she seems like a brand new artist to me, and she, what maybe she's been around five, ten years. I don't know. That Royal song was very ubiquitous and um, to the point of tedium, I would say. But and that's not her fault; that's the radio's fault. Um, next one, next next U two connection on our road tour through the Patti Smith and U two connections. Um, Nineteen eighty eight, Dancing Barefoot, a song that you and I have listened to so many times probably not aware that at least i wasn't aware for a long time that it was anything to do with patty smith um it's not one i throw on all the time i love it i really like dancing barefoot i think it's a, a great song um but but the the u2 version is better in my opinion I know loads of people would hate me for saying that but it, it is just better in my opinion um that appeared on the when love comes to town single um yeah so next bit uh, sorry for going for these quite quickly. Uh, November 17th, 1997. Cast your mind back, Tyler. Come back to me through the annals of history to 1997 here. Um, at least I Bono... was alive for this one. Yeah, so you can actually remember this one. You weren't at the fish market, but you were around for this one. Um, Bono introduced Patti Smith at a pre-recorded tribute um, for... Uh, this is this is a story from NME. Um, and what happened was, um, I think it, he managed to inadvertently piss her off, to be honest. Smith was meant to be presenting, was meant to be getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. And according to the enemy, Bonner referred to um, Patti Smith as sister, lover, and mother. 
And so Smith took umbrage to this description say, as she accepted the award, saying, I'm not your mother, Bono. Do your own dirty work. F you. Um, Bono told Enemy that he expected nothing less from Smith and that she never lets you down. U2 spokesperson added, it's not a lover's tiff. He's still a fan. Smith later explained, I just thought it was presumptuous. I like to be considered a person. I'm not up for grabs. So I think the way to sum that up is he was doing his usual Bonoisms of like, can I sum up this person in this poetic, quotable, notable sort of way? And full on in- embarrassing dad Bono. I think we can agree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was in the nineties. I mean, that was quite a while. That was, you know, that was when he was still relatively young. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He's not a cool man. Occasionally, mm-hmm. occasionally he'll he'll hit on something that's really, uh, really cool and of the moment, but but his hit rate isn't great. Unless you're a U two fan. He's he's not he's not the coolest cat on on the block. Mm. That's uh, U2's management on the phone, just confirming they will never ever let us speak to the band. <laughs> um, right, so now let's um, let's uh, on the next stop on the um, on the on the train. Cast your mind back, Tyler, all the way all the way to 2015, which um, I mean I'm joking because it's not that long ago, but it's five years. I mean I guess it was, and um, we have uh, two bespectacled fans going watching a certain little band from Dublin and uh, Bono comes out and says we wouldn't be in this band without Patti Smith and Patti Smith joined the band to sing People Have the Power, a song that had been used to introduce um, the band um, throughout, throughout that whole tour, was it? Yeah. 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 Um, so we saw Patti Smith live which was unexpected and quite weird but was good and was enjoyable and to be fair, People Have the Power is probably the, the it's a very anthemic one to do. She's also appeared um, for uh, Mothers of the Disappeared, which um, she joined them on stage in Paris um, to help them out with that. And in Bono's letters, which we, we did talk about this on the um, Bono's 60th letters things, Bono writes this of Patti Smith. He says, you are my drug of choice. Um, whether reading the sacred text or being reminded of how it is to be in your body on stage, I refer to you constantly. I learned that dizziness, the headiness, the highness of a great show can only happen if both feet are planted in the mud and messiness of God's earth. So there we go. Don't know what he's on about, but there we go. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so obviously, um, I don't. I, I don't think you can be a YouTube fan without uh, at least coming across a gushing. Uh, repose from Bono about the influence Patti Smith has had uh, certainly that, that's been more evident in recent years I think on that tour uh, they, they were swapping out Noel Gallagher and Patti Smith uh, especially on the, the uh, UK shows I felt like that and I know I know I was in the in the crowd hoping for, for Noel Gallagher that night um, again yeah. not knowing much about Patti Smith and, and I suppose I still don't um, but yeah there we go um uh, should we do the chart and get into the uh, the album review? Oh yes, it's been so long since um, since the last episode of Tumblr. I forgot about us um, looking at the chart. So uh, this so... is a little feature that uh, I like to do to set the scene. Uh, what was happening in the music industry at that time? Uh, this is going um... to be the UK UK chart. It's always really the UK chart, although I uh, I will admit that Patti Smith very much uh, an American act and this uh, I, I, doing an American chart would probably be more helpful but uh, it's my it's my segment so I will do the UK chart for November 10th 1975 okay hit it 
Okay, so in at number 10, You Sexy Thing, Hot Chocolate. Number 9 this week, New York Groove, Hello. In at number 8, Blue Guitar by Justin Haywood and John Lodge. Number 7, down from 5, it's Hold Back the Night by The Tramps. Number 6, all the way up from 25, it's Imagine by John Lennon. Top 5 now, Love Hurts by Jim Capaldi. Staying at number 4 for another week, it's Rhinestone Cowboy by Glen Campbell. Number 3, down from 2, Love is the Drug by Roxy Music. Number 2, D-I-V-O-R-C-E by Billy Connolly. And number one, staying at the top spot for one more week, it's Space Oddity by David Bowie. Well, I mean, I've, not, I've never heard of any of those people. Um, I think that might be the best top ten I've read out so far. Certainly the most heavy with, um, with hits. big h- hits. Yeah, legends, <laughs> icons, Lennon, Bang, Bowie, oh, Wallop. Oh, you know, I really like that Billy's in there, you know... Mm, so you can get out your, bring out your Billy Connolly impression from mothballs. Well, yeah, um, I could do my David Bowie. The... You know, David Bowie and Billy Connolly, both uh, both regular guests on the show. Oh, John yeah. Lennon as well. It's like, it is like all my impressions in one. Yeah, if only all I could the do worst a Glenn impressions Campbell. ever. Um, I'm very yeah, but... offended by what you're saying, there, Johnny. <laughs> Glenn sounds a bit odd. Sounds like he's from <laughs> Liverpool. Um. Yeah, what the hell is that Billy Connolly thing about? D- uh, D- uh, D- or divorce. Um, it's it's just a comedy song. Uh, it was a bit of a trope in the 60s and 70s for uh, comedy songs to be released. Jasper Carrot did Funky Moped. Billy Connolly did a couple. Billy Connolly actually did a, a version of Rhinestone Cowboy called Half Stoned Cowboy. Um, mm. And they were very regular in the charts. It was before like a charity single. Novelty novelty singles were just a thing. Uh, that that, funny. that has died out now. It is well, yeah, and I'm quite happy about that. Um, and and the modern equivalent, like you know, the the crazy frog and whatnot. I'm I'm not I'm not lamenting them, you know, not being around as much anymore. But um, it's funny that Connolly's the holding his own with a novelty song about divorce you know with imagine and uh space oddity and everything like that it's crazy yeah it, um, it's, it's just i suppose it's a sign of the times like in the six in the 1960s uh the top 10 best-selling songs uh nine of them were the beatles and the other one was by ken dodd <laughs> so wow, that, that liverpool that, is very overrepresented then yeah that's um that's 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 a fact i don't know if it was the 1960s i think i think it, i think it was though um, I'll have to. The fact is true. I'm just not so sure on the the exact dates. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's just a, a sign of the times, a more innocent time, I think. Uh, yeah, in some ways, in some ways not. Um, yeah, let's not go down that that, that road <laughs> of debating wh- wh- whether it was more of an innocent time or not. I think Mus- some... musically a more innocent time. Yeah. Right. Well. Anyway. Um. Speaking of innocence. Um. Let's talk. Horses and Gloria, then. Um, so, I think this will be on a lot of people's lists of impactful and iconic opening lines for an album. It's a rejection, as far as I can tell, of the uh, stifling kind of religious institutions that Smith grew up and um, was part of, as far, as far as I know. Now, I don't know a lot about her biography at all. That's a, I mean, that's a disclaimer right from the start, but I think she was brought up Jehovah's Witness quite strictly. And I think this is a 
unbridling of herself, if if you'll pardon the pun, from that um, that Jesus that Jesus dominance there, um, and, and and it's exciting and it's vital, and and to me that is a that's more of a punk statement than I am an anarchist, I am an antichrist. Like to me, that's this seems it's more interesting to me anyway, and has more energy and and vigor about it than that. But okay, I'm happy to prove wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, the power of it, that being the first line, the first thing you hear from the singer on, on this album, but a, a debut and a debut album, uh, mm-hmm. like, Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine. Like, that's tremendously brave, tremendously risky, even now, I would say. Um, and it, and, in America as well. And I didn't know the story about uh, Clayton's mate, but I, I put, I've put in my notes, maybe it's enough to turn some people off you know, right from the first line, it's like, okay, this isn't for the faint, faint of heart. This isn't for. Uh, you're going to go on a journey here, but you've got to be willing. So if this isn't for you, you know, turn around now. Um, and I think it's very telling. It tells the audience to listen to the lyrics, the words, and uh, the poetry are what what's important with this with this album. Mm. Um, and so that, so that was my reaction to it, and nothing throughout the album dissuaded me of that you've, you've kind of got to hand yourself over you might not like it by the end but at least for the 40 minutes 45 minutes whatever it is hand yourself over experience it and see what you think i i i um i think it's a testament to that that i preferred listening to it um i mean i've been doing a lot of washing up listening to it i mean because what is there to do apart from washing up at the moment um like and I preferred listening to it with the lyrics in front of me, um, so I can follow them through. She is a poet. She was a. She was probably would have classed herself as more of a spoken word performer in the couple of years building up to this, rather than a, you know, a straightforward "I'm going to try and be a rock star" sort of thing. And this is a a patchwork song in lots of ways. It's obviously stitched together from um, the them song of you know Van Morrison Gloria um, thing. And but also it's it's a reworking of her a poem that she had written before called Oath as well. So it's it's something that is stitched together from poetry. And yeah, I agree. You should the the words do do seem to be considered here and thought about. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just thinking of comparing it to. I keep going back to comparing it to the uh, to Ramones and um, and you know some of the words there are probably were probably not sweated over as much by the Ramones, like some of the more cartoony lyrics that, that they would have. This predates Ramones Ramones, right? Yes, it does. By um, a couple of years. Think, I think it's just a just a, a year, I think. A year and a bit. I think it's yeah. this is I think this was from that CBGB's scene. Yes. Uh, and I've got to I've got to actually start spelling it out not saying it like heebie because it is CBGB's so like <laughs> um it's just the way I, I remember it in my head. But um this was the first record of that scene or is regarded as the first record of that scene yeah i mean there might be some there might be some other releases that technically were were slightly before but i think this is the most iconic the the spark that that lit you know 1975 onwards um, and particularly 76 are seen as the big years for for punk music and and that's why i think there's so many things here to to celebrate um no matter where you stand on the songs and are you going to put these songs on a lot in future? I think the 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 boldness of it, um, the boldness of the album cover, the the challenging of perceptions of what is to be expected from gender, that kind of thing. 
it's, it's very incredible modern, that 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 album cover yeah. isn't it it is yeah it is and and i think that is that's something that yeah even if i'm not necessarily going to be listening to uh land every day be, uh, you know it i'm still going to take a lot of stuff from this um this album that i don't get from other so to you know so to speak punk bands that are meant to be so influential I mean, this podcast is just basically a long way of me saying I don't like the Sex Pistols, isn't it? That's, that's all it seems to be happening these days. <laughs> the, the Ramones and the Clash episodes were a lot like that as well. Yeah, I should I should just leave it and not bother because I'm probably anno- annoying quite a few people. Um, well, no one more than Johnny Rotten. <sighs> they can sod off with his butter. Uh, I think the lyrics in this song, uh, especially in some places, uh, obviously she's going for this shock um kind of aspect uh, she is trying to shock people or make people reconsider the perceptions but the lyrics uh, the lyrics like make her mind they're certainly more what you would expect from a, a male vocalist or a ma- male fronted band um, I think know. I think she's she's playing a male persona through this song I think and I think that's another thing that she was trying to do was say I'm a poet and an artist so don't make that very, um, you know, kind of first year undergraduate lit student mistake of assuming that this is me speaking directly to you about my life. No, I get that, but like, listen for uh, put, you know, put yourself in the the ears of somebody listening to this for the first time in 1975. Yeah, it, it they are they they might strike you as strange because it seems like. Those are mo- those are lyrics that you would associate with a guy singing it. Oh you yeah, know? And, so she's um, challenging uh, that perception. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I still hear it like that. I'm trying to oh, yeah, imagine yeah. what it was like all all those years ago. Oh god, how many years? Forty five years. Is that yeah, right? And oh, I mean, god. and considering and considering how um, regressive parts of America still are. I mean, not 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 necessarily the areas of New York where she was in, which obviously would be very arty and bohemian and stuff, but yeah. it, to flirt with those ideas of um, you know going against a stereotypical or a normative gender role, uh, to have a song like the second one, Redondo Beach, which has got so much to do with lesbianism um, and has lots of links to that, yeah, it is, again, it's brave and it's interesting, and it's her flirting with interesting ideas rather than just um, going down a straight biographical route. And I think you can really hear the swagger of what she's doing in this. Like she seems to really inhabit a particular sort of power in this song. And yeah. I, I, I've I've really really enjoyed listening to this. Um, I'll be honest, the first time I listened to it, the main thing that put me off was I didn't like that squeaky alternation that she does on a lot of the words where she adds another syllable. Like she told me to me like that, and it that happens so many times. And at first I was like. That is really grating on uh, me. The one that really gets but, me is the ay yeah 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 that that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't like that because it it it, dis- it I mean maybe that's what she's going for. It disrupts me listening to it. I can be listening to something and think, oh, that's really interesting, and then I'll get the the ay yeah yeah yeah, and it just it takes my focus away from from what I was in, mm-hmm. from something I was enjoying to something I don't like. But it's it's obviously purposely raw isn't it which is probably like saying is what she's going for it's not meant to be this is a consummate performance um i think someone at the time actually uh i've got the quote here yes uh, steve lake um at the time attacked it as precisely what's wrong with rock and roll right now 
uh, and he said that it was completely contrived amateurism. So uh, some people at the time uh, didn't like the fact that it seemed to be purposefully, um, purposefully going for something that seemed more DIY about its construction. Um, but I, I've, I've, over the week, though, I've, I've got to really, in particular this week, I've got to really, really enjoy this song. And I just felt the, the build-up to it today, like even though it's a long song, it's nearly six minutes, it is like a roller coaster. It goes through so many different things. It's got great and, energy throughout. Yeah. Sorry, that's what that's, that basically just summed up exactly what I want to say about it. It has got it's the energy, hasn't it? That's why I'm here to make your points more succinct. <laughs> um, I had some um, some misheard lyrics as well throughout this album quite a lot, which isn't surprising because it's as not exactly. Come to expect. Yeah, um, it's not exactly meant to be the clearest song, but um, and recording. But when she's saying and her name is and her name is and her name is, you know, before they get to the whole Gloria Gialamore bit, um, I thought she was saying and her nightmares and her nightmares, which kind of fits with what's going on anyway. But um, yeah, any 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 weird lyrics mishearings for you with this one? No, but a criticism I've always had of this. Uh this song is surely there are easier names to you know sing out loud because always uh when when bono does it or when when patty does it the r or the i always seem to get somewhat mispronounced like r for patty smith if you see her do this live is very very often becomes or so l o o l o g o l o r a you know it, it, something gets lost and and maybe it's just me. Uh, and I'm I'm struggling to replicate it, but R or I always seem to get one of those gets mispronounced, and I find it really annoying. And I've I've got I've got an, uh, some suggestions. Um, uh, Olivia, um, no Olivia, I think you know it's the same amount of letters. Um, Olivia, I, L. Wait, I can't do it. Go on, try. Well, Olivia, O L I. V I A. Yeah, see. You, and she at the end would go A. A. Yeah. Every every uh, letter in that one very uh, very easy to hear. And I, I, I think I've got I've got some more. Uh, Camilla. An, Anne is better. Anne is better. Anne. A N N. Well, it doesn't really work, does it? What about <laughs> Camilla? C A M I L A. There you go. Oh, I wonder C-A-M-I-L-A. who would be the best person to. It'd be the best person to sing Camilla, Tyler. Could it be me, uh, Charles, the Prince of Wales? Is this the reason why you put Camilla down, just so you could bring up Charles? I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's on the toilet when you do him. Um, well, everybody's got to poo. <laughs> not royalty, surely not. <laughs> um, yeah, um, well... Oh, well, do you know what? We've, I've just realised we've just we, we also missed. Um, here's me thinking that I was being really smart before going for all these great YouTube connections that I've researched. What's the main connection that we should have seen is is when Bono obviously does this this bit, and I know it's it's Van Morrison as well, but I think he's channeling Patti Smith on Rattle and Hum when when he does that. Yeah, well, Remember? he needed he needed lyrics, didn't he? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> Did um, they lose the lyrics for that one? For Rattle and Hum. Not rattling home. It's October. October, yeah. October. October. Everything's got an yeah, but, ear at the end now. No, but he does. Oh, I can't even bother getting into this. But no, now we can. Does... It's not. It's this is not. This is a review two podcast, but not the review two podcast. Let's move on to uh, Redondo Beach. 
Okay, fine, fair enough. Um, Redondo Beach. Um, I find this weird track, weird track listing, to be honest, as in sequ or rather sequencing. Um, now, I'm not a massive fan of kind of cod reggae, like, like uh, it makes me think it a little did bit. Have of, that know, element the, to it, yeah. It make me. It reminds me of the QI theme tune, which I hate. I absolutely hate it. Do you think um, the QI it, theme tune is reggae? It's like what a white guy thinks reggae is. I disagree. It, it always sounds like a Christmas song to me. It's got it's like a weird annoying. bell in it, and it always sounds Christmassy. And it's not always. It's not always on. A, it's not. It's not just on at Christmas. It's. It's always on at my mum and dad's house constantly. It's. It's um, awful. But um, but uh, I, I don't mean the show in general. The show is fine. I mean, I just hate the theme tune. But um, yeah. Anyway, it, it seems weird. Basically, after you've got all that energy. I mean, in the last song. It, it was. I was listening to it today, and I genuinely got you know her stand up on the back of my neck, like shivers, like so much energy in the first song, um, particularly when they approach the um, glorious action, and then this is just like okay, it's fine, but it's it it just trips you up a little bit. I don't know why. Like a second song being like a reggae song, it just. Oh, I did, I, I'm not. I didn't hate. I, I didn't hate it. Hate the the reggae thing is that I didn't really think about it like that. But it just seemed somewhat throwaway. It seemed, um, you know, when you compare it to the epics, it was just a bit. Nah, and the epics, by the way, like the nine minute tracks. Yeah, that's what I like to you refer to them as. And it's just, yeah, it's just. It's, but yeah, I think in it's, a different, if you moved it around, if you put it into a different place, because track listing obviously means so much and sequencing. If you put this song, if you put a song as your first song, you are making a statement. A song as your last song is a statement. Um, I think it, she's making a statement by putting it here as well, though, because it's not what you expect. Like we always say, how we like an album to build and then give us a breather, which is giving us a breather on track two, um, mm. and. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to say to it other than uh, gone, gone. Uh, you, you're not just gone, but but you, you're gone, gone. You know, you're not just gone. You you proper gone. And it really reminded me of that Mickey Flanagan routine. You're like, I'm not, I'm not just going out. I'm going out, out. <laughs> Which, um, if if for the Americans listening, I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I, I am, I am, I I I just know that Mickey Flanagan doesn't have a huge American following. Uh, no, I mean if, that is if you want a comparison to, that's never been made before. If you want to go to YouTube and watch the Mickey Flanagan stand-up routine on going out, out, I would love to know what your what an American's response to it, because uh, Patrice O'Neill, it ain't. Um, well, it's it's got stuck in my head this week I know that I, I mean for better or for worse it's really got stuck in my head and I keep this this is one of the songs that keeps going round my head um, and it's, it's it reminds me of um, a song called Junko Partner um, which is on the the Clashes album Sandinista which is also in a similar kind of style and I, I don't know why I seem to link those two songs and it also reminds me of um, Ramones because you've got a lot of stuff to do with like the beach and um, I know she's obviously not just going surfing and stuff like that but it, it reminds me of that kind of thing and the way that she's phrasing some of the of the vocals here seems very Ramonesy, um, which which obviously makes no sense because opposite order um, the song apparently was written about um, well it's got quite a few different influences but apparently she'd had a big argument with her sister Linda and um, she went out and hadn't come back for a long time and um, 
Patty Smith went out looking for her, apparently, uh, took the F train to Coney Island, um, where I've been, Coney Island. I, I enjoyed myself a lot. I had a big hot dog and an enormous beer, because I don't understand how ounces work. Um, and uh, basically, she took an F train to Coney Island, sat on the littered beach until the sun rose. I came back, wrote a draft and fell asleep. When I awoke, she had returned. I showed her what we had written and we never quarrelled again. So that's quite a nice little story. Um, now, Redondo Beach apparently itself is synonymous with... Um, it's known as a, a cruising site for gay people and lesbian people in particular. And again, it's, one of the, it's another one of those things that she's putting on the record, which is making it... Might have been a taboo at the time. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that's challenging for the mainstream. But I like that there's there's very little compromise on this album, and apparently um, this goes through so many different things of it. You know, they really wanted to get a live feeling. You can tell the band are not staying in strict time throughout all the same. You know, all of the tracks. I think she had a big. She had quite a fractious time with the producer John Cale who's a famous you know musician and producer in his own right and that I read that that was deliber- deliberately done well the choice to have kale yeah there was there was a quote about when she was going to find a producer that oh i'm not gonna be able to remember this and i should have written it down uh, a quote oh i've like, got it oh have you well the I've got, about, there's a couple the one about the paintings well there's a few different ones um well, that's kind of about how mm, I mean, no, we don't we, we don't want to just read out Wikipedia to people, do we? Really? No, we don't. People can do that themselves. Although that would be a really good podcast. <laughs> Reading Wikipedia. Yeah, you just read Wikipedia. Um, no, there was a. She went out to uh, buy a, a masterpiece, and and came back with a mirror. And that's oh how yeah, she, yeah. She did. That's how she described uh, the the producer. Um, and it apparently was quite a fractious relationship because they would they would test each other and it, but it really made for a, a, um, a stronger recording because there was that friction and they did well, they had to find a co- you know compromises between the two of them. And I think maybe what we're learning through Tumble, maybe the key insight throughout all of Tumble is that I mean because we saw this on Depeche Mode, the albums made in an atmosphere of dispute and contest and. And same thing, obviously, with Acton Baby. You know, things that come from conflict can produce fantastic music. So maybe if we could just get you two to, like, be really pissed off with someone, then, or with each other, then they might make, you know, another, you know, a third landmark album in the career, perhaps. Yeah, we, we just need Bono, uh, Bono or Edge to steal Larry's drumsticks, and then uh, uh, we, we've got what we want. Or one of his white tees and uh, uh, denim stonewashed jeans. Okay, so should we move on to Birdland? Uh, on fifty-three. <laughs> well, no, it's it's just uh, it's track number three uh, on this album. Um, what's also interesting is there's on this on this album so many songs. Even though it does, I mean, I think I came into this with a strange um, preconception because it keeps being mentioned as you know proto punk or kicking off or sparking something that would eventually become a scene that would be punk. I don't expect these beautiful jazzy piano intros on on a lot of the songs. I mean, many of the songs begin with, with just very sparse and actually very well recorded piano, whereas I, the guitar, I'd say, is terribly recorded at various points in this album. What really struck me straight away was Patty's voice, um, how it suddenly very innocent, very soft, very gentle, um, yeah. and uh, and I think she is playing a character here. She was an actress before she before she was in this band. And um, I think you really get a sense that 
she doesn't necessarily sing that way naturally, but her the the, the character that she's playing in this song does. And I've really got a, a, a strong sense of, all right, through these songs, she's trying on masks and trying on characters and feeling them out and expressing the songs through uh, through different characters. And it, she's really showing a range. And especially in... Uh, uh, okay, if I look at a, a song that's 9 minutes, 16 seconds long, I'm like, can I be bothered? You know, especially if it's a song I don't know. Can I, can I be bothered with, with really listening to this? And there are so many different things, uh, so many different aspects of this song, and it doesn't stay in the same place. But her, the way she starts to sing the song kind of ropes me in. It's like, okay, this is worth giving giving a go because it's something I've not heard yet. And mm-hmm. it, it obviously doesn't stay there, but it, 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 it kind of works. It made me stick around for it. And it's a... It's, I mean, it, it does make it seem like, obviously you're talking about her, like a, a similarity to her as like an actor, but it feels a bit like these are, um, it's more like reading a book of poems by someone um, because there is like a narrative that's going on here and the personas might be being messed around with in different ways rather than it just being, I am a rock singer, let me sing about rock and roll stuff. Yeah. So I'm, this is all a. Um, apparently, this was inspired. This one. It's all to do with UFOs. I mean, I remember listening to this for the first time, thinking, "What the hell is going on here?" Um, but apparently, it was inspired by a book of dreams. That's a 1973 memoir of the Austrian psychoanalysis William Reich by his son Peter, and it revolves around a narrative in which Peter, at his father's funeral, imagines leaving on a UFO piloted by his father's spirit. And it's it's a weird old song in terms of just the narrative of what's going on um and there's moments where she is sort of screaming and um or like straining her voice saying we are not human and it's just it's just such a it's such an interesting place to go to well we've all had nights out like that abducted by aliens yeah no Um, i think it's really interesting um I'm, i'm i'm struggling for things to say about birdland because it I, when I was when I was starting to review it and I was looking at the lyrics, I really felt like I was regressing into being a student and trying to analyse a poem, and mm. I don't feel like that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> and I, and I felt like it was taking me somewhere else. Like I wasn't actually reviewing the music. I was I was starting to review the poetry. We, we um, literally read out poetry last last episode. Well, we did. Yeah, we did. We read some uh, Philip Larkin, but I I don't know. It kind of took me somewhere else and uh I, I think the best way to listen to this is to experience it and it, it there there's a lot of beauty in there there's a lot of uh experimentalism in there it's a journey i'm not sure if i like it though i like um, some parts of it that's the best thing i can say about birdland i like some parts of it yeah i think i think i get the feeling that this is one of those things where the big Patty Smith heads, you know, the, the Smith heads, the ones who care about them the most. Oh, it's probably... an absolute feast for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think they would, they would, you know, they would regard every bit of this in the same way that um, I regard some of like the the epic songs by bands that I love, like the the like more of the the long. I'm trying to actually think now. What are the long epic U2 songs? I mean, there's Moment of Surrender, but that's terrible. Um, um... Lemon, in a way. Yeah, I think he's pretty long um, on uh, pop. 
I think I'm picked a bad example there. I'm, I'm thinking maybe more Please. like like oh the way you the way you feel about like the Iron Maiden songs that go on forever and ever. Like and you probably like each movement of those ones. Oh yeah, there's an 18 minute track uh, called oh, uh, I think it's called Emperor of the Clouds. Um, of course it is. And it's it's great. It's all about a zeppelin that went down. Um, and it it is I I really like it and it it starts off really slow with piano. Uh, I'm just trying to find it very quickly. It's a great song, but yeah, uh, yeah. So for an Iron Maiden fan, uh, that that's a really great song to listen to. But if if you're not an, uh, a fan, I can imagine it. Empire of the Clouds, it's called, and it's 18 minutes and one second, um, and it's mm. beautiful for an Iron Maiden track. It's very very beautiful. It and... annoys me that they bothered with that one extra second I, for for the sake of of just neatness i would have cut that one second off just fade it out one second sooner you all, fools all valuable all valuable yeah well anyway i, I mean the thing is i there are like there's certain songs by like queens of stone age for example that are very very long incredibly enjoyable and every movement i love of them like like clockwork for example um there's there's loads of them or um better living through chemistry that kind of thing um now this I've just put I've, in my notes. I put this is exhausting to listen to, and I can't imagine what it would be like performing it. Because imagine this to perform this, both for the band, but in particular Smith. You she I mean she doesn't hold anything back. She's not getting you know she's not phoning it in here. No, it's I was all, I, I was there. thinking like how how accurately could they perform this? It must be different every single time because there's so many elements to it. Yeah, and it's... they were not known for the professionalism in terms of. Well, know, they weren't let's known call for it musicianship. Like the, 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 I think they're good musicians, but the this uh, the the culture is more about jamming sessions than you know anything else. Um, well, doing that, what you that, can on the night. And that leads me to something weird that I, that I heard about this. Apparently, when they were auditioning in the early days of the band to get um, guitarists, what they would do is they would they would strike up. Um, the, the the then song Gloria, which we've already talked about, which featured earlier on, and they would just say keep playing, and they would just they would not tell them to stop, and it would just be if you if they gave up, then they they wouldn't they, they weren't allowed to be in the band basically, and there were people playing for you know forty minutes or so, but I think Ivan Kroll, the guy who's who actually ended up in the band, just kept going and going and going, and they thought right, well we'll keep him in then. Um, well, that seems so a that's bit one mean. way to. Learn. Yeah, but I mean, it's one way to it's one way to get it. I like rock and roll, you know, weird stories like that. I think it's 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 interesting. Yeah, but the other guitarist might have had plans. Well, yeah, if you were Johnny, um, if you were Johnny Ramone, then that would have been incredibly exhausting because uh, he, he only plays in downstrokes, as we as we as we found out recently. Is that Blitzkrieg Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... Joey just popped in to uh, appear on the podcast. Mm, right. Is it Joey? Uh, right, so... <laughs> that he's is really a legend. He's a, he's a legend. Right. Um, anyway, the feedback work at the end of this song, Birdland, is interesting. I think that's really cool, texturally-wise. Um, but I don't really know what this all adds up to. That's the thing for me. Like, Yes, it's a guy who is seeing his dad drive a spaceship. It just... It doesn't... I don't know what is it, what it's meant to say, and maybe I'm missing something here. And yes, this is me trying to review an album that I've only been, you know, listening to for about a month or so, um, in some form or another. But it, yeah, I don't. It's not. 
it's not worth nine minutes in my opinion which is probably something that people would be like throwing the podcasting tool across the room at but you know I'll admit I, I, I again I'm struggling with this one but um, if I've learned anything from our In Excess Simple Minds and Depeche Mode reviews or bands that we hadn't really encountered that much before how different our reviews would be a year after you know we started mm. listening to those those bands so and I'm not going to not listen to the, uh, there are songs on here that I will listen to and I've I've, I've started my um, or I will start soon my Spotify best of 2021 list and you know cause it's always great to just go back and be reminded what were you listening to that year and it can be really evocative and I will I'll throw on a couple of uh, Patty Smith songs from this but it will not be Birdland because I don't want to listen to um I don't know what state I'd have to be in to listen to to, to all of Birdland. Yeah. Track number four, Free Money. Ooh, yes, please, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I struggled with with saying free then because, like, as a child, I couldn't pronounce the th sound of the right. So I had to teach mm-hmm. myself how to do that. But now. <laughs> Every time I want to say something like free, I end up saying three. It's like I, I, I'm, I, I, my, my brain only has the ability to do one. I ever, I ever say T H or F, and mm-hmm. I, I don't have the ability to say, say both. Unfortunately, you should make a, a, a film about that epic struggle that you had with the two letters. Well, uh, Universal have been on the phone. Uh, we're trying to find someone to play. Stop me. calling. <laughs> we're not doing the film. Um. Yeah, well, speaking of three, three of these songs, I can't do it now, um, are, um, they start with this, uh, at least so far, have started with this beautiful piano, which maybe that's the reason why Redondo was in there to break it up, perhaps. Um, but her voice is, it seems again, like you mentioned last time, her voice seemed to have changed in tonal quality. Again, she sounds, to me, and I might be wrong here, but very Kate Bushy at the start of this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a she different... Have a shave. Oh dear. Um, so that, that's that's the way that she sounds at the start of, on the start of this song, anyway, and it's a it's a complete change. Um, yeah, immediately sounds like something I, I I like, you know, like something I already listened to. Uh, yeah. Springsteen, Fleetwood, uh, Fleet, Fleetwood Mac, even um, that kind of thing. Lovely piano, really nice, interesting vocals. And you know, I think I think very quickly the vocals and the drums start to duel and then sync up. Yeah. And then, um, like, uh, I mean, I, I've got a a big chunk of lyrics here which I'm not going to read out, but basically from "I'll buy you a jet plane, baby," um, mm-hmm. onwards, um, finishing with uh, "And we'll roll, dream, roll, dream, roll, roll, dream, dream." I just, I, I just. It just really builds up, and it it sounds great. The the, the band um, are sounding fantastic. Everything seems to be tight and in sync. The song mm. bursts, and it, it's like okay, now we're off to the races. Uh, but it, it's a much more traditional sounding song than perhaps Patty wanted to do. I imagine Let's... this is more. This might be more of a record label. We we need something that sounds like a song. That kind of well, thing. Well, this is this is pretty pretty down the line rock isn't it you know begins yeah. with some piano gets going it's three minutes 47 which is very standard pops or rock you know territory the structure is very um 
simple compared to the experimentalism. But to be honest, I like it a lot more. You know, free money yeah. is is just good. I, I think it's a it's just a very very solid song. This and does this does more for me than nine minutes um, of yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so the story behind this song is she said it's really a song for my mom, uh, not mum, mom. My mom. Uh, she she always dreamed about winning the lottery, but she never bought a lottery ticket. She would imagine if she won, make lists of things she would do with the money, a house by the sea for those kids, and then all kinds of charitable things. So I think this is, and Patty Smith apparently did grow up in relative, um, I don't know if poverty is the right word, but she was poor, you know. Um, there certainly wasn't a lot of free money hanging around. So I think this is something that I think we've all done, particularly when we were younger, which is imagine what it would be like to have huge amounts of money. And as a rock song, I think that's just a great, it's a great idea. And it's a it's a, a, a compelling subject because no matter where you stand on capitalism, everyone has fantasised about what would it be like to be super rich, you know, and and it's interesting. Well, it's to, it's to not have that concern, isn't it? It's to not have that as an issue in your life. That, that well, freedom. Think, it's an aspect think, of freedom, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's when you know you're making enough money is when you don't have to worry about it constantly. But I think this is like super rich you know, that she's imagining. And kind of interesting that if she hadn't written this album, she wouldn't have got to the stardom and presumably the affluence that she's got now, you know. Um, so I'm sure she's not she's not short of a few bob these days. And, it, you know, fair enough. This song can contributed to that. Still a lovely person by all accounts as well. Seems uh, so, yeah, and very cool, which is maybe why Bono wanted to wheel her out um, in Par- in uh, in London uh, for, for that connection. He didn't wheel her out; she walked out of her own accord. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a straight jacket and you know Hannibal Lecter style. <laughs> um, no, but you know what I mean. Bono's always keen to make these connections and be like, "Look, I'm with the cool kids. Like, you know, I'm uh, you know here's our kid, here's Wynn Butler, here's you know here's Patty Smith. Please think I'm cool." Well, a girl oh. I went to university with um, interviewed her a few years ago, mm. and um, the basically, basically, you know, um, the people that work for her and look after, you know, do organize all the appearances. So she basically just needs to turn up. Yeah. Um, whatever you would call that that kind her of staff. Person. Manager. Yeah, yeah, that PA, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, when my friend was talking, I say I say my friend. It's it's just a girl I went to uni with. Um, I don't think she'd describe me as a friend. Anyway, that's that's uh, doesn't need to be elaborated on. But uh, <laughs> how but, many more um, digressions are they going to be? Here? And she used to look. She used to wear these sweaters. They weren't, they weren't green. They're like like a. Like a brown, not not brown and wool. You can get great sweaters from uh, M and S. I've heard these days. Well, anyway, um, her PA, who she dealt with, was like, uh, "So you should, you've got to be at the hotel at this time, and you know you should be here, you know, a few minutes early. We'll be getting it there there at this time. Uh, you're not allowed to talk about these topics, this 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 that and the other." And then mm-hmm. Patty turned up, and it was like, "Yeah, ask me anything," and you know, completely friendly and not like she was imagining. It was it, was, it seemed like it was. Going to be a bit of a daunting interview, but then yeah. uh, Patty turned up and everything was just fine. And that's you know, quite very a clever. Friendly. I'm not suggesting this is what happened, but that's quite a clever move if you want your image to be, you know, presented in a particular way. If you get your PA to imply that you're a bit of a um, careful nightmare, <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. nightmare, <laughs> or, you know. <laughs> 
um, and you're going to be awkward and difficult, then when you turn up, you know, it's the expectation gets subverted. So that's not that's quite a good tactic, actually. I'm not saying that's what happened, but, you know, it, it's, it's not a bad idea, is it? Um, no. Smart move, smart move. Um, mm-hmm. th- towards the end of this song, there's just, there's just some really good um, melodies that are going on, particularly when she's getting into the When You Dream It bit, and just occasionally... It's weird, like on this album, sometimes it sounds amateurish, and that's not a problem. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it has a real rawness to it. Like there's some, and there's some bits of guitar that um, are really raw, and I'm thinking, I think that I would have done another take on that because that sounds bad. I think it's authenticity that they're going for. They want that uh, uh, CBGB yeah. sound. Um, yeah, well, they 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 they've definitely got it there, and the <laughs> the, the piano sounds amazing. The I don't think, really I don't good. I don't think you're the kind of guy that that would have enjoyed CBGBs. Yes, like, I even would. if even if we did have a real time machine, um, mm. and and you could go back and see the Ramones uh, CBGBs, I don't think you would enjoy it. I think it'd be too raucous for you. I can't believe it. You're saying. I go prepared. I, I was at a Cagoule at the last uh, U2 concert. You know, I'm always prepared. I'm always very rock and roll. Ready the last, for... U, the last U2 concert we went to was indoors. Yeah, but you've got to always be prepared. Bono might start throwing water on people again. You never know. He might have a super soaker in his back pocket. Anyway. <laughs> no, that's, um, that's just his... Um... Yeah, anyway, right. Let's carry on. Right, so, um, yeah. Free Money, good song. Nice way to shut out uh, side one. And um, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Let's flip the vinyl over then. Oh, is, have you got that that detail though? I imagine you're right. It's the end of side one. All right, good. I don't know. I don't have the vinyl um, or the record. Mm. Uh, okay, so Kimberly at forty-two. No, 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 not forty-two minutes. Four minutes twenty-six seconds. Yep. Um, we usually do all the writers and stuff like that as well. Um, Smith Crowell um, and Alan Lanier. I think Alan Lanier's mm. first uh, credit so far. Yeah, well done, Alan. Um, Alan's not a very rock and roll name, is it? Well, this is double L. I mean, it's Alain. It sounds like a French name. Uh, anyway, Alain. Um, that's Welsh, isn't it? Alain. No, that'd be no, well. I'd, I don't think so. Anyway, um, Kimberly, this is one of those ones that is, it's incredibly simple in its construction. So it's it's almost a bit like one of those songs you would you would play when you're first learning guitar and you're trying to write your own song. It's like bum 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 bum. It's just it's so so simple, but it works and it's effective. And again, to me, this is one of those moments where on the record I was thinking this is punk because it's. DIY, it's not I'm going to play a million uh, keys all at once, like the kind of like the horrible bloated prog kind of thing that was that Punk was always a kind of rebuke to and it sticks in your head and this is the song that has been going around my head more than any of the other ones, especially you know when she's saying the, 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 the first refrains part, at the end the first part or the second part because I feel um, like this is a bit like a bit like two songs um, and I've summed them up as there's the I don't mind part and the starry eyes part. Yeah. Well, the and second I don't, part. I don't like. I don't mind. I, I I like the I don't mind part, but the starry eyes bit bores me. You don't mind. You do no, mind. I, I do mind. Yeah. I do. Right. Okay. 
Um, I, I like that bit. That, that's the bit that's been the bit the second half of the song where she's saying "baby." That that really has been sticking in my head. But also, this is one of the clearest um, changes from you know the verse into the chorus. Like the chorus is so different from the verse, and it, it just it feels like this is a, a song that will be stuck in my head for a long time. Like it's got a catchy melody. Yeah, I agree for the first part, but the the second half of it just. It's like it changes too much, and uh, I, I, it just left me. It leaves me thinking that it's two songs stitched together. Um, well, I mean, certainly less than other songs on this on this album, which are, are actually you know different songs stitched together. Although I guess you'd because of the the way that it's written, the um, moving into the Van Morrison section of Gloria, that it, it's seamless because of how well it works. Yeah. And I think I can't really get over that song at the start of as being like the the it's like the best thing on the album, and it seems to sum up the album and be like I don't think the album ever recovers from that if you know what I mean like it's that the best bit of the album has happened at the end of the first track if you know what I mean it's not like um, some albums where you you're waiting for the huge you know song that's really going to take you away to somewhere different. I don't know. Do you get like it feels like the album to me, Horses, is Gloria, and a couple of other things. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, the the, the 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 things I really mind about this are, are the nine minute, the nine minute epics. Um, now again, I might not feel like that in twelve months, but having just discovered this album in the last couple of months. They're mm-hmm. not landing for me. Uh, maybe I don't know how to approach them. Maybe I need to get used to them. Uh, maybe I need to educate myself on the subtleties of Patti Smith. I don't know. That, but right now, as, as a first-time listener, uh, long-time caller, they've never really... They, they don't really hit home for me. There is There are parts that I like, sure. Well, this one... This one we're, I, kind, I... we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, this one, this one was good, but but also because it is quite simple in its construction and, and everything, and it's a it's it's a nice song. Um, it also it doesn't mean we've got a massive amount to say about it. I mean, it's about a younger sister, and it's about her apparently like holding her during a lightning storm, which is again, it's a nice thing. It's a sweet song, but I've not got loads to say about it, and it's certainly not um, you know, it's not it's not Gloria, and it's not that that. Um, uh, what would it be like? Like kind of not aggressive, but it's not very provocative. You know, it, you could have this in the background, and it would be like, yeah, it's a pretty cool song, whatever. Yeah. What's the sister's name? I believe it's Kimberly. Oh. The next song is "Break It Up," featuring and co-writing credits go to Tom Verlaine or Verlaine. I'm never certain 100% on which way that's pronounced. Um, Tyler, have you listened to the band Television? Not recently, but yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you, so, the question I'm asking is: Did you know instantly this was Tom Verlaine slash Verlaine? Television? Are they the tequila people? <laughs> what you mean? Da, 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 da. No. I like tequila. It makes me happy. No, I think I'm I'm wrong. Though. I, 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 no, they did Marky Moon. I know Marky Moon. Are you thinking of Marky Moon? I know Marky Moon, yeah. 
He's a lovely guy. And that tequila. Uh, well, you did that one. I like tequila. Right, so, you, so you're just looking this up in the middle of the podcast now. This isn't fun. Yeah, uh, it's, well, it's not television. It's by Dan and Shay. There's, there's not even a, a, a tiny sliver of similarity between the two there. I'm sure there's a... Te- oh, te- is Terrorvision a band? Yes, Terrorvision is a band. What was their big hit? Is, is it relevant? Did Patti Smith write it? Did Tom Verlaine play on it? I doubt it. So while Tyler's on his phone playing Fruit Ninja or Jungle Run or whatever the kids play these days, um, uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is you can tell it's Tom Verlaine playing guitar on this because his tone is so distinctive. And I would yes, argue... Terrorvision did do tequila. Right, well done. Hooray. Um, put your phone down. Glad we settled right. that. Right, so... Um, this is for me, for my money the best guitar playing on the album in terms of the the sound of the guitar, and it actually features um, just someone who I can tell has thought about every single little lick that he's done in there, and I just really really like Tom Verlaine's playing. So this is a highlight for me, and at some point I think it would be good if we do Marquee Moon because it's a fantastic album, um, and I think you'd probably prefer that to this, and it's, it's part of this been, whole scene. It's certainly been recommended. It's on the uh, sheet. And that is a song, Marky Moon, that is a long song that justifies every one of it. So about, I think about 10 minutes or so. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, anyway, back to this. This is all right. Um, it's got an interesting Tell story. So you Did really you... feel, Johnny. <laughs> it's, well, it's an interesting story. It's about Jim Morrison. I mean, although <laughs> I've, I've got to be honest, I've never, ever really felt much of an urge to pursue The Doors musically. Uh, so what about you, Doors? Um, Jim Morrison. The, again, I just it's something that has never been. I suppose quite like Patty Smith. I've never had a friend who's recommended listening to the Doors. I know they've got some hits, and you know everybody knows that you know the the usual suspects. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just no. Um, it's I wouldn't be also... opposed to it. I've just I've never. You, you need to be somewhat exposed to it and I don't feel like I ever have been exposed mm-hmm. to it I also feel like The Doors is a reference I think to The Doors of Perception and this this idea of expanding your mind man and all that other kind of stuff but on a, on a just a very mundane level The Doors is such a boring name for a band if you if you don't know about that whole like expanding your mind thing just The Doors it's like well there's you know there's loads it's around the house it's as good a name as any if you, if you say if you say any band name too many times it just it loses all meaning and it's, it's just what is that about snow patrol snow oh. patrol cold snow play. patrol it's not just a play it's a play that's very very cold Ooh, chilling. travis what a terrible name travis is yeah that is a bad name yeah any more do you want to do this, uh, i'm trying this, to think of what i'm trying to think of it's award-winning section of the podcast <laughs> Uh, the cramps. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's let's carry on. Right. Anyway, so this whole song is about a um, a vision or a, a, the imagery of it is to do with her seeing a Jim Morrison like figure, and that's one thing we've not talked about. There's a lot of death on this album, and and kind of Patty. I think. Was Imagine a lot of people died during those nine minute songs. Well, and probably during this review as well, um, rather than listen to it. But <laughs> th- there's a lot of death um, surrounding um, this era. 
I think there were a lot of icons who died. Um, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, um, who we, who we, I think, on one of our earlier podcasts thought was still alive or something stupid like don't, that. Did you say like? Oh, just don't. <laughs> I can't. What's Jimi Hendrix oh, up to these days? He's so painful. <laughs> he's not released anything in years. It's so painful listening back to that. Mm. Well, it's so um, so stupid. Younger and more innocent times. Yeah. Um, back when we had you two t- albums to talk about that we hadn't already discussed into the ground. Come um, on, right. Breaking Jim Morrison. Up. I can it's hear. In, it, I, it's not important at all. all right. It is I important. can. I can hear Patty Smith in Patty Smith's voice. I can hear her voice more clearly on this track than the others, and I think she's really showing what pipes she's got. Yeah, and she's dueling with Tom Verlaine's guitar as well, which is which I think is a creative um, duel. Yeah, it's it's just it's a really interesting song and something that I feel like I I feel like I'm gonna come back to. Not my favorite at the moment, but like something I I there's there's something there for me, you know. There's a moment on here which I thought was sonically very interesting, which um, you can people can go back and listen to if they want to. Probably something that's been remarked about a million times, but on the lines when she says, ice, it was shining, I could feel my heart, it was melting, you can actually hear her doing this, like hitting her heart as she's singing it. Yeah, I didn't and like that. I thought it was cool. I liked it. Mm, no. I, I, I can, I can just imagine own. a lot of... Um... Like college bands attempting to do something like that and not achieving you the can, same effect. You can imagine the tribute bands to Patti Smith would be like they recreate that moment and all the nerds would be like, "Oh, are they going to do the bashing of the? Are they going to do the bashy bit? Oh, that sort of stuff." You do a really uh, good impression of a nerd. <laughs> I've been playing one, you know, most of my life. Consistently. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to tell you say this point about Jim Morrison, right? The song is about Jim Morrison, a vision that she saw of him, and he is like stuck in some rock, and he ends up growing wings and breaking away from the rock. That's why she's singing "Break It Up," and there's this whole liberating, you know, kind of when he says "Break It Up," then it's him breaking free. So there we go. That's why. That's why it's in there. Jim Morrison, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Right. Uh, so, uh, land part one, horses part two, land of a thousand dances part three, la merde. Yeah, um, this is another one of the songs that's kind of a patchwork. And for all, um, I'm going to say a, a point here that might strike you as incredibly insightful, but it's something that is pretty much said about this album every time someone talks about it. It's not just a new, bold look into the future, you know, like a spark of a new musical revolution. It's also looking back on the history of rock and roll. So um, she features then um, this kind uh, like of podcast. Yeah, it, I mean, this is definitely an event. But, you know, so is the Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> so she's including, she's including, um, you know, the whole uh, Land of a Thousand Dances thing uh, by Chris Kenner, and it, it, it is, it's, it's a weird little tour around old rock and roll here, um, and I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's. Um, this song is weird, and uh, but I think this is one that actually justifies being this long. I think this one's actually pretty cool. Yeah, well, the land of the uh, land of a thousand dances uh, is by Chris Kenner and Fats Domino. <laughs> Are you just looking at Wikipedia now? I thought no, you were going to no. say something about it. Did you enjoy that section? That's the whole phony baroni bit, isn't it? Mashed potato, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do the mash, yeah, yeah. Do the never do- fails to reminds me or to remind me of um, the full Monty. 
because uh, that is one of the songs that one of the guys auditions to. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but yeah, that reminds me of the Full Monty, which is probably not what she was going for. Do you know what was really um, weird? And I had like an earworm for it. At the, start, the, the very, very start of the song, it uh, the way Patty's singing, like, you know, just talking into the microphone. It reminded mm. me of a song, and I couldn't think what it was, and it's been going in my... You know, like, when you just remember a little bit of a song for yeah. for ages, and you can't quite grab it? And I, I managed to get it on a Google search today. It's All Saints Never Ever. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you know, there's like there's a weird... There's, a, there's like a talking bit, but I... Oh, I, yeah. I remember yeah. that talking bit being much better, or sounding much better, 20 years ago. Like I listened to it today, and it's like, it's so bad. It's like it's like trying to get too many words into a into a melody, um, but it yeah, goes on for ages as well. All Saints were a British uh, girl group in the nineties, and it really did go on forever. Uh, but I'm glad that I finally know, know what it is because there's nothing worse than having a half remembered song going around your head. Um, I had a lot of ear, not earworms, but a lot of this was probably the song that that most triggered me hearing other songs and i can hear um there's a lot of you two that i hear in this so a couple of things um when she actually gets to the horses bit here and she starts going horses 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 which is a great bit that's another spine tingle moment for me that sounds really similar to a band that i'm sure were influenced by patty smith called savages who were very good and they've got a song called husbands and if you listen to that song the way that the singer sings husbands is really similar to horses like to the point where I feel like it might be an active tribute to it. That's by the by. I get vibes of exit from this though, like really strong vibes of eg- exit from this. Do you do you see a similarity there? Yeah, I can I can certainly yeah. Like the way I, the atmosphere I, I, I moves. When what? Sorry. Like when the atmosphere, like when she goes into that horses bit, and she goes horses horses, and it's sending to when <clears throat> you know Bono starts going, his heart was beating beating, like it's that sort of thing to me. That kind of uh, shadow man character is, yeah, yeah. I hadn't and drawn, it's... I hadn't drawn that conclusion, but but my where my mind had been going listening to this wasn't, you know, it wasn't far off. It was very rattling home and very the the the, the movie. Mm. Um, there's a lot of elements of Bono singing in very similar ways, but I I like that this is so so experimental and. Um, th- there can't be many artists that would so freely uh, use other artists' well-known songs on a debut album. Yeah. Again, she's 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 really ripping up the rule book here and making her own her own mark on this scene. And and I I really respect that about her. But again, nine minutes, it it's trying for me. Well, I mean, uh, on the rule book thing, I think also we're probably downplaying um, or not really mentioning how sonically interesting it is. All those, the bits at the start, you know, with all the voices swirling around and panning from side to, from left to right and um, overlapping But I have to be in a certain and... mood for that. Oh, yeah. It's not a, this is not a, you know, let's, you know, Sunday afternoon listening sort of thing, is it? No. One thing um, I, I will mention as well is because there's nine vocal tracks mixed into one on here. Um I've been li- I predominantly recently have been listening to music on an Alexa, and while an Alexa is an otherwise good speaker, there are some vocal tracks I hadn't heard until I put my you know my cans on before yeah. we started recording. So it's a closed can song. Yeah, 
I thought that was a pseudo Bono impression then. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, um, I I feel like there's still a lot that I haven't fully heard, and it, again, it's there's it's a it's an epic. There's there's going to be so many little details, little elements that big fans of Patty Smith will would just oh you've noticed that too. I I always hear that line, and I, I know that there's going to be little bits in the that I've just not heard yet. Um, well, one line that always that I was like, "Oh, that's weird." Is um, this is something that my friend Sean at college, um, he, whenever, well, not every time, but a lot of the time when I would come up to see him, he would point to me and go, "The boy looked at Johnny like that," and I would go, "Okay, I, I had no idea what he was referencing." So you know, ten years later, I'm like, "Oh, that's what that was a reference to," because he never explained it. He would just go, "The boy looked at Johnny." And I was like, okay, I, what boy? You know, it was just confusing. Um, so that was good to actually have a reference because I, I now realised what he was actually banging on about. And it also just reminds me of a, a fact that I always really love, which is Johnny is the most popular name um, to be mentioned or referenced in rock and roll songs. But not the most popular boy. Um, I, I To sum up, I really enjoyed the track, Um but it's mostly when I'm not focusing on what the lyrics are, as if you know when I'm just uh, hearing the vocals as another instrument, and yeah. I'm not opposed to doing that, and I do that with other bands that I like, but I don't feel that's what Smith was going for, or it's not how you're supposed to listen to this. You've got to be an active listener, and you've got to listen, focus on the lyrics as much as anything else. The um, lyrics are are very very like full on and all over the place as well i mean yeah. if you do just read them as poetry and it, it, it is like there is a, a kind of idea of like thousands of different ideas that are kind of related and unrelated or crossing into each other and i think this was probably very very popular at the time it, it reminds me of beat poetry it reminds me of um just a spoken word scene that that revels in that idea of the collision of ideas and and lots of interesting images all swirling around together and and again, I can't see how this wasn't exhausting to to record and and play live. I, mean, I, I think it's, deli- I think it's deliberately challenging. Uh, I think no, it isn't. <laughs> but I think I think oh, I hate you so much. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like Patty Smith really wants the listener to know they're listening to this. You know that there's no room for the, for a passive listener with this right, well, album. Right. Okay. I was going to say, what the hell do you mean by that? <laughs> well, if you'll shut up and let me finish my point, you'll find out, won't you? Go God, on. it's a good it's a good job we're not in the same room today. I'll be swinging for you. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Hooray and I don't. I, and I don't mean in a Frank Sinatra kind of way. Um. All right. Well. So should we move on to Elegy then? The last one. Yes. Uh, so more, mis- too- more misspellings. Yep. Uh, I was going to ask you if elegy is a word. Yes, it is a lament for the dead. It's a type of um, type of old um, form of lyric poetry, specifically about the lamenting so, of the dead. The difference between elegy and eulogy, then. A eulogy is a speech given at the end of, of you know at the end of someone's life, whereas an elegy is a form of poetry. Right, okay. Written by Smith and Lanier, uh, written on the fifth anniversary of Jimi Hendrix's passing. Mm. Um, um, go on. 
Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of appropriate, and it, I like again, I like that sort of dedication to a particular way of thinking. Although, I guess if they'd had the studio booked and they'd missed it by a day, they wouldn't wait around a whole another year. Um, but it does feel like every step of the way there is passion involved in this, which is which is good. Um, made me go back to listen to listen to some Hendrix today, and I, I just sort of got into a little bit of a Hendrix thing, which weirdly, for someone who plays a guitar, I've never really been that bothered by Hendrix. I've been like, mm, he's okay, like. You don't like showboaty guitarists, though. You say that, but I've I've been to watch Joe Satriani live, so I mean, and yeah, it's 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 a contradiction. I think Hendrix is another one of those people that I've been told is so important all my life that I sort of resent. You know, like top top lists of like Rolling Stone greatest guitarists of all time. Hendrix is always either number one or you know top three that sort of thing. And it's not that I have a problem with that or I deny that. It's it's that I I, do, I don't like stuff that's just yeah we all know like the truisms. You know, like, like what's the number one song of all time? Is it going to be Imagine by John Lennon? You know that sort of stuff. Doesn't mean it's bad. I just or Unchained Melody. Oh well, I'd rather have Imagine, but I I just, I just also think. Imagine kind of... all the people living yep. for today. Yep. Uh, so, Elegy. Um... Always leave them wanting less. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a bit in the, at the end of this where she really pushes her vocals um, to a higher register. And it's a, it's a tone... It's weird that right at the end of the album she's still surprising with... with um, registers or tones that I've not heard, and that's fantastic. I'm, I'm wondering, could there be more of that sort of stuff on the on the album? But it is a a, 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 a quite a, a, a sweet song to end the album on. It's definitely an album closer. It's short. It's quite dark, quite calm. Um, and I just wonder if there could have been a bit more of that kind of vocal quality in the rest of the album. Uh, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, well, I like that it's it's dark, eerie, foreboding, atmospheric. It almost starts out like a, a show tune. Um, the way the piano and the bass, they're following the same melody of, as, as the yeah. vocals. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that, yeah. And there's, there's something in that line, there must be something I can dream tonight. It, you know, something very existential is like, have I dreamt all the dreams I'm ever going to dream? That's a that's a horrible thing. Like the excitement I have when I have, I, I do have the same dreams quite often. But then when I have a new dream, I wake up in the morning with a smile on my face, thinking, oh, I've never dreamt that before. It's like it's like watching a new film. It's like something, it's something unexpected and something you can't plan. But it's it, to to think, oh, I've dreamt all the dreams I'm gonna I'm gonna dream. That's it's quite a horrible feeling that you might not have considered before but this it's 2 minutes 42 seconds it's got this very simple tone some very simple nature and this song couldn't mean any more or depict a mournful emotion any stronger by being 9 minutes you know it's it it is mm. what it is and it it's exactly what it seems and it kind of I, I don't know it's 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 so much stronger being succinct i i mm. certainly enjoy at the minute i enjoy the shorter songs a lot more they give me a lot more than the epics do yeah uh, i think if yeah if she'd started at the at the two and a half minute mark to go into something similarly to the other longer songs and we got here we go again we're going into some huge epic thing then i think anyone would think whoa 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 that's you can't do that so many times 
And while those other things are bold, yeah, like you, I, I do tend to prefer the shorter songs. Um, but I think... That might be more I... to do with how we're programmed to listen to music, though. This is... Oh, yeah. This is deliberately different. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. And I think we may we may have... There must be loads of people who think you've like really missed the point of this album. It'd be like... If I heard someone... like someone these days like a 20 year old these days talk about grace and they just were, were slating it the way that we seem to be occasionally doing with this i would be getting frustrated in my head thinking you're missing the point you're missing that you don't know about this you don't know about that you don't get the depth um but we can only really give our feelings about it can we so so yeah. so there we go um yep what was your overall input what was your overall kind of thought i mean will you be returning to to horses I think I will slowly. There are there are, there are certain songs that it's free money, like which is my sweetest thing, by the way. Um, oh, my, mine's Gloria. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Lazy get. Um, yeah. Uh, free money. I I really like the beat. I really like the the way that song is written. Um, and, and I feel like there's a nice hook in there. At times in this album, it's like Patti Smith is almost anti-hook she won't she, she like she identifies a hook in a song and then won't sing it again you know and, and mm. I, I i have to question how much enjoyment i would get if i was in a patty smith audience uh, because i'm looking for those little bits that i can sing along to all those bits that the crowd can chant but there are really catchy melodies which is one thing i didn't expect here like there, i mean in the songs themselves there are moments like in redondo and and um, Kimberly in particular, there's loads of really like catchy individual bits of melody when the yeah. band seems to be having a bit more of a looser sort of time. It's just those sprawling, like Birdland, which for me is my dirty day. That's the worst song on the album for me, as in that I, I find it a struggle to enjoy that song, despite that it it's obviously technically very interesting and you know it goes to lots of different places. But yeah, I just I I. I there are good melodies in here, basically. Yeah, Horses was my dirty day because it felt more like homework than music. Um, <laughs> but I think there's... I am interested in music and I like to sit there and analyse music, much to the annoyance of my friends. I can't, I can't sit there and just watch a film. I've got to analyse it. I can't sit there and listen to a song. I've got to analyse it. Same with a performance. And I feel like I don't understand a lot of the choices made on this album. But that doesn't mean I'm not interested to go back and investigate it and find out exactly what is going on there, you know, and, yeah. and, and see if I can find something that maybe worked, but I didn't recognize it as working because it's not what I'm used to. Yeah, and in in the same way, I think this is... I, I've enjoyed looking at this, but... It's definitely got fallen into that category of this is important to music and I'm glad I know about it as a frame of reference, as a a, a point on the musical map. But unlike, say, an album like, um, like, we, like when we did Songs of Faith and Devotion, I have and will continue to go back to that because I want to h hear that album, you know what I mean? Whereas this one, there's only a couple of songs that I'm going to be going back to. Yeah. Well, And that's fine. Yeah, I didn't think I'd go back to Simple Minds as much as I have, or In Excess as much as I have. 
Mm. Um, I didn't. Um, I didn't expect to find what is turning out to be one of my favorite bands of all time in Depeche Mode. You know mm. how late in the day did that happen? Uh, so who knows? A, a year down the line, it's always very different. But I think it's really interesting to have documented our. Okay, the first time I listened to a Patti Smith record, this is what I thought. Mm. So yeah, um, um, not. I don't feel I've wasted my time listening to it. It's not my favorite thing, but I am interested to go back and investigate. And isn't your favorite song of all time written by Patti Smith? No, my favorite song of all time is written by Bruce Springsteen, and, and it was given to Patti Smith. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I couldn't remember about that. Well, that wasn't about me trying to like rally you up or anything. I just no, I, no. I, I couldn't remember. Uh, no, it's um, it, it's fine. I, they did swap songs. They they they, they were in a, uh, a studio at the same time, and they swapped songs. Mm. I'm just imagining uh, Bruce Springsteen doing doing his versions of like Redondo Beach, you know, it'd be so weird, like you know. Leave the impressions to the professionals, please. Oh come on, that was a pretty good Bruce. (laughs) Not a bad version of the boss. Just looking at other bits that I could say. Horses, horses, horses. (sighs) Right. Uh, Well, yeah. So there you go. That was um, our first tumble. Uh, of 2021 uh johnny what are we doing next time Uh, i don't know because i can't remember i've got a vague idea of the albums that are coming up and obviously your submissions guys are always are always um desired and they will go on a very long list that we've got um i remember we were talking about doing that talking heads thing that you um got me for got me the blu-ray for for christmas that's coming up but that's later on this season uh, if you just uh, is it going to be one of my picks next? So today was Patty Smith Horses. Next month we'll be doing Thin Lizzy Jailbreak. After that, it's Peter Gabriel Three or Melt. Then it will be Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. That's the DVD review. Then we're going to go very local and we're going to do Oasis. What's the story? Then the Verve Urban Hymns. Then one of mine and Johnny's favorite albums of all time, I think, uh, with Mew and the Glass Handed Kites. And then the final episode this season, or the final episode we've planned for season three, will be the Kings of Leon and Only by Night. It's only by the night, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, um, yeah, all those are potentially subject to change. Although it'd be nice <laughs> to. to, to because things do do sort of change. I'm also slightly worried by how the sheer volume of albums there that I've not heard before or I've not, um, as in, I've not grown up with, if you know what I mean. But I'll, I'm sure we'll weave our way intrepidly through the stepping on facts, ignoring context, um, missing points and mishearing lyrics. So pretty much business as usual for Review 2. And if anything interesting happens, there has been rumblings in the U2 camp about... I mean, there always are, but about new music, then um, we'll try to uh, deal with that as and when. Although, you know, Edge getting a new hat is not going to warrant a a whole episode. He's got a new hat. (laughs) Find out next time on Review 2. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Review 2, the YouTube podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at rev underscore u2 or on facebook.com forward slash rev u2 For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler.